1: It's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of the Tennis Channel Inside and in Podcast on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, from the Santa Monica Studios. As always, delighted to bring you another show covering the game you know and love. And this week's show is a special one, as I'm joined yet again by the Hall of Famer, Jim Courier, one of the standout players of his generation and one of the best broadcasters in the game. Jim sat down with me for a lengthy and lively discussion about the ATP finals in Turin taking place as we speak, how the top eight players in the men's game reached this finish line in 2023, how their seasons went up and down, Novak Djokovic's place at the top of the game, Carlos Alcaraz's season, how he looks to finish strong, Yannick Center making moves, Medvedev winning the most matches since 2017 by any player on tour. All that is covered in this week's podcast with Jim Courier who breaks down the game, discusses who could be here next year and throws on a little fun asides as well. A lot to discuss with Jim Courier including his catch up with Roger Federer over at the Laver Cup. Let's hear from Jim Courier now on Tennis Channel Inside and it's time to start the show. Welcome everybody to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica Studios, delighted as always to be joined. Another yearly appearance by former number one Tennis Hall of Famer, now esteemed broadcaster on tennis channel it's Jim Courier back again Jim welcome Anch- to the show I can't,
2: can't believe you let, let me back in again after last year's yeah. absolute car crash here we are hey
1: I, I didn't view it as a car crash uh obviously I'm gonna start doing like Roman numerals like the Super Bowl or the Rocky movies for our appearances on this so
2: I like the way that sounds it's <laughs> you know. you're, you're you're blowing smoke up a skirt we're gonna yeah. get through it we'll be we'll well, fun.
1: We're going to talk about the ATB Finals. We're at the end of the year. There's a lot of you know excitement about the final eight players and how they got here. But I did have one thing at first, and we're going to just go. This is the only time we're going to go to the screen, right? I what need your opinion take. on something.
2: Right on. Because, again, he's just uh, he's seen them follow each other when he's had double faults. They've come in bunches, kind of like tequila shots. They rarely travel alone.
1: They don't. <laughs> okay. I heard that, and yeah. I was like, "I'm going to talk to Jim eventually." And mm. I did research on it, and it mm. is accurate. But <laughs> it was just the, <laughs> it was a great line, and I thought we had to expand on you know your extensive knowledge and that reference. Well,
2: I, there's a there's an incredible comedian who does this great <laughs> skit uh, about yeah. kind of a party in your yeah. stomach. Okay. And you'll I'll I'll show it to you offline, yeah. but that that was his line. You Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like tequila shows up and like tequila, oh, here comes tequila, <laughs> they're trouble. They never come alone. You know?
1: I know, I, I don't know anyone that's like, Yeah, I, I had a nice quiet evening, just one tequila shot. So yeah, no,
2: that's probably true.
1: No, and I think it, it speaks volumes. I mean, a lot of people and we'll get to the final stuff, but just aside, like the commentary watching tennis, I think a reason why people are fans of yours specifically is that you have that high expert tennis knowledge, but you can break it down and talk to people that are fans.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I we never talk down to our fans here. Mm-hmm. We always assume that our fans are just as engaged as we are with the sport and, and love it as much as we mm-hmm. do. And, and, um, you know, I'm sure they could teach us more yeah. than a thing or two. Um, if we got to listen to them, yeah. but you also have to be broad at times, yeah. uh, especially when we're at a tournament like Roland Garros, where yeah. we get a little bit more reach than we might in a more, uh, mm-hmm. sort of standard ATP week, if you mm-hmm. will. But, um, it's also meant to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we're having a good time doing things that we love and hopefully the people that are listening, uh, for the most part are, are enjoying, uh, you know, what we're trying to add to the telecast and, and hopefully we get out of the way of it enough at the time too. But, uh, I definitely like to laugh <laughs> yeah. on the air, and, and I'm lucky to work with great people that, that make me laugh
1: all the time. Yeah, it was a uh, match, I think Paris, I want to say it was match, where there was a challenge, and you kind of did the Jeopardy or the Law & Order theme, so <laughs> yeah. we yeah. pick up on the funny stuff more yeah, than anything. It's, it's, it's a long season. Listened. Yeah, We know it's the, probably the longest season in sports, if you think about it, in the ATP finals and in month 11, just to get here. You know, guys are running on empty, I think it's fair to say, but it also is fair to say how important this is. Why would you compete at this level to get here unless it wasn't? And for the eight guys that got here, especially in the bottom end, they really had to fight and earn it.
2: Yeah, they do have to fight to earn it. And it's worth it because Mm -hmm. uh, it's, first of all, prestigious to be in the event, period. And second of all, that there's so much opportunity here. You're looking at 200 ranking points per win Mm -hmm. in the round robin. You know, you win a 250. That's what you get for Mm -hmm. four or five matches. So uh, it's not easy because you're beating all top eight players to Mm -hmm. do it. But there is plenty to play for. It's prestigious. It's profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way to send your send you into the off season feeling, yeah. feeling like you've had a good year because you cannot fake your way into <laughs> this event. You have to earn it.
1: Were there things that you can recall as a player? Ways you tried to stay fresh for this end of the year? I know the slams are obviously king for obvious reasons. Yeah. But did you did you have experiences with how you tried to stay fresh in terms of getting to this finish line in November?
2: I, I've marveled at this. Uh, The generations that have that have come since my generation, the way that they've managed their schedules, um, especially the very top players, so much better. Federer being the best example of that. Now you've seen Djokovic play so few tournaments this year, Um, you know, basically hasn't played much at all since Wimbledon, hasn't lost since (laughs) Wimbledon. But he's the one guy that is fresh Mm -hmm. and ready and he's playing like it. Uh, for for the players that are trying to get into it, it's a different thing. You're, yeah. you're scraping and clawing and trying to, to earn your spot, and you know the off season is near, and and you hope that you'll that your body and your mind will yeah. hold up.
1: It was odd to see, and, I, and I'm curious your thought. <laughs> Alcaraz, Djokovic led, no surprise, they had the most tournament wins this year, but six. That seemed like a n- low number historically for a tournament leader for the year. It, it,
2: It depends. We've had things get so distorted in recent (laughs) times with Djokovic winning 11, or you might have someone else winning double digits (laughs) that, uh, you know, in in past generations,
1: winning five or six
2: tournaments, if you won the right ones, that was your world number one.
1: Well, at this point in the year, and we're going to get to, you know, the final eight and how they got here, Pam Shriver on the show a couple weeks ago said that she thought this was the first time in the men's game 2023, where you got to look at really what the future is like. Obviously, Djokovic at the top, but he's the last of the big three still at the very top. We'll see what happens with Rafa. Would you agree with that, that we're starting, we're starting to kind of see what it looks like in the post-big three, post-even Djokovic era?
2: I think it is starting to crystallize. Yeah. I do think when when you have someone like Alcaraz, who's won now two majors, mm-hmm. and you see the gains that people like Yannick Sinner have made, and then Medvedev back in the fray, you look at yeah. the names in, in this year's final uh, in Torino, and you go, yeah, these are the guys actually we probably expected to be here, uh, these are guys like Rublev who's been here now four years running, Medvedev mm-hmm. five years running, Zverev back in form and back in the top eight. No real outliers that have really popped up.
1: Yeah, it's it's remarkable. There's still the big dog at the top, though. 36 year old Novak Djokovic, uh, eighth year end, world number one, extending his record, and Jim 52 and five on the year, so he's winning 91 percent of his matches as we record this, and. It's remarkable in a lot of ways. You can't really use enough superlatives to describe him, but I keep coming back to he's the 36-year-old, he's the old guard, and yet he's the fresh one, he's the one that holds up the most physically. That part will never be normal to me.
2: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, 36 was you know, the very tail end of a lot of great careers that that lasted a long time. I think of Andre Agassi my, right. and my peer who played into his mid-30s, but mm-hmm. his body was breaking down. And he still was awesome, Mm -hmm. but not as mobile as he was. And Novak doesn't look like he's lost a step. His defense looks every Uh bit as good. And then this year, I think his forehand and his volleys have been better than ever. Forehand out of necessity in Australia. The volleys in the finals of Cincinnati against Alcaraz were out of this world. And he he just finds a way to keep fresh and stay sharp and just keep tamping down (laughs) all
1: these challengers. Yeah, two things that you've pointed out, especially on commentary, how the serve has gone better, but also he will come to net on big points. We saw it even in the Holger-Runa match in the group stage. Yeah, He'll go big on serves. That Alcaraz match, I think you and, you and Jason Goodall highlighted it. There were some big points, break points faced, where he just went as big as ever, and you marvel at how he can just push the right buttons at the right time in these high-pressure stakes.
2: He's done it so many times, right? He has as much big match experience as any player who's ever played the game. And he's got a lot of trust in himself and doesn't mean that it's foolproof because the <laughs> double faults will happen mm-hmm. invariably when you take that much risk. Sometimes you're, you're going to crash, but more often than not, he's someone who's been able to come through uh, and just continue to trust himself and back himself whenever he gets pushed into a corner.
1: You compared him to Tom Brady last year. Brady was, you know, he's since retired. Eventually uh, he was in the box at Roland Garros celebrating him. So I thought that was great symmetry. We question his motivation sometimes, what keeps him going, why is he still desired to not only be the best but just blow everyone out of the water. The quote that I heard from Goran Ivanishvich, one of his coaches, was that you can actually coach him. Like He's actually mm-hmm. trying to seek advice and doesn't want a bunch of yes-men. I thought you know, that's very inside information to someone that mm-hmm. you know, could surround himself with yes-men, and we wouldn't really doubt that that much.
2: Yeah, well, he's such an interesting character, Novak, very mm-hmm. high IQ. Uh, He's very curious. He's a seeker. And uh, sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, but he's someone who is not afraid to question things and and to look outside of the box. And that may help him keep fresh. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what exactly makes him tick. Only I think his closest team members and family members do, but I think he's been pretty crystal clear Mm -hmm. that what drives him is uh, trying to achieve as much as he possibly can for as long as he possibly can. Uh, He hasn't achieved Mm -hmm. enough, it doesn't seem like, Mm -hmm. in his mind, even though he's achieved more than anyone ever has in men's tennis. So it's a a marvel, and I think the Brady comparison is Mm -hmm. apt. You know, I think Brady pushed the envelope on what was
1: possible from an age
2: standpoint, and I think Novak is determined to do that as well.
1: You get him in these courts, right? The indoor ATP finals courts are a little faster, and there's a lot of debate about court speed and which balls you use. We know Djokovic is great everywhere, but this does seem like it's tailor-made for a lot of his game.
2: Like Djokovic, he can play (laughs) on anything, at any time, anywhere, because he has every shot. Because Mm -hmm. when you can cover the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball the way that he does, and there are no apparent weaknesses Mm -hmm. short of hitting him overheads and hoping that he misses, (laughs) which is not a great strategy to beat a top player, uh, he's going to be good. And I'm fascinated to see how he does in this incredibly speedy environment. Because um, it's it's it is according to the players and according to our Hawkeye data, the fastest court of the season. So that's going to require fast twitch. Mm. You're going to have to dig some fast balls out of the corner, and he's got some big hitters coming his way.
1: You know, his number one rival this year was Carlos Alcaraz, the only man to beat him in a major, the only major winner outside of Djokovic. What was you know your initial thought of the rivalry? We know that every time they play, it seems to be classic Wimbledon, Roland Garros, and of course the Cincinnati final. But that rivalry really grew this year, and it really you re-energized Djokovic also, but also showed Alcaraz that there is one more level to go. What was your thought on that rivalry this year? I think it's been
2: magical for tennis. I have a lot of friends that are not avid tennis fans who are now really big Alcaraz fans because they got to see him compared to Djokovic's greatness Mm -hmm. in that Wimbledon final. And that, I think, gives people a level to see where Alcaraz is. And that gives Alcaraz a level to see where he is too. He learned a lot, I'm sure, at Roland Garros in in defeat there and not being able to control his body again in really hot conditions Mm -hmm. and getting worn down and how to manage maybe his his taking fuel on board and making sure his fitness level stayed there. But he also seemed to grow in real time in that Wimbledon final as far as his learning curve on grass and and doing it against Djokovic, you know, along with Federer. Mm -hmm. the two most successful guys at Wimbledon, pretty amazing to see. And uh, then the the Cincinnati Cincinnati match was quite simply the best, best of three sets men's match I've ever witnessed. It was just (laughs) astonishing in the drama, the level of play, Uh, the conditions, it was
1: everything you'd want in a match, and and they were awesome together. I always say, like, especially these non-major matches, Djokovic isn't just ripping his shirt off in celebration for beating just anyone. He's not putting the phone down, the Ben Shelton thing, for just about anyone. When he has a real test and he passes, that's when you see it come out. And for Alcaraz, you mentioned the real-time growth, that Miami match against Sinner where you Mm -hmm. were on the call, the cramping was there, it Mm -hmm. happened at Roland Garros. For the most part, it's been non-existent since that. I just... Again, I go back to how weird, and that's just the word I'm defaulting to. It's weird that the older guy has got you know the advantage physically in this mm. rivalry. We've seen generational tennis matches before. Usually, it's a couple matches here or there, and then the young buck comes through. Yeah, not it so is. far at least. Well, Djokovic yeah. is yeah. a different. Yeah. He's yeah. a different yeah. dude, yeah. Yeah. and
2: he's got all that experience that he's gained over the course of his career on how to manage his body in those extreme conditions. You have to remember he struggled mightily early in mm. his career before he went gluten free, so he's become. I uh, know the master of management when it comes to yeah. lengthy matches. And Alcaraz and and Runa, those guys have a lot to learn in that yeah. department. They got a lot of upside, but there's also plenty of room for growth for them to learn how to manage those difficult situations
1: that are going to come up again. You know Alcaraz lost to Zverev in his first group match and it was a classic match. Zverev served amazingly. Yeah. Not nothing to hold your head down about. But would you suggest maybe managing the schedule a little differently for Alcaraz? Because it is now two years where he's been a little banged up, run out of steam. I know there's nothing to be alarmed about how great he already is. But would you maybe suggest switching things up a little bit? I think that they'll learn. I think Mm -hmm. he has a wonderful team Mm
2: that are experienced. Uh, He plays such a dynamic game, and he's so eager to get to every ball. And I think that that over time, he'll learn how to manage his energy levels Mm -hmm on the court and maybe not put himself in as Mm -hmm. much peril because he's so fast twitch because he he almost can get to every shot out there sometimes he wastes energy and also that's a lot of breaking when you're hitting the corners that can cause damage to your body so how does he stay healthy (laughs) how does he stay fresh how does he manage his new stardom those are all things that uh, we're all going to watch him learn in real time, and I think he's well-positioned to handle all the challenges ahead of him. Yeah, playing that
1: Hopman Cup on clay after Wimbledon was kind of crazy to see. It was
2: mm, That was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah well. a bad, I don't
1: care how much money they
2: pay you. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't care how much, you know, again, he, I think he learned from that because he didn't mm-hmm. play Davis Cup after mm-hmm. the U.S. Open, the week after the U.S. Open ended. He was supposed to. Djokovic yeah. did. He ended up not doing that. So mm-hmm. I think they are learning – But he's just 20. Mm -hmm. You got to remember that. He's (laughs) just 20
0: years old.
1: the uh, number three ranked player in the world who won his first match yesterday, Daniil Medvedev. You know, if you look at his year, Jim, 65 wins as of this recording, that's the most on tour since Rafa in 2017. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of startling to see a guy who's won a slam, who's been to a final of another one. This was a great year for him by all accounts, except for the one that probably matters the most, at the majors. 65 wins is nothing to scoff about.
2: Yeah, no, his first two majors were were rough this year. You know, he lost to Sebi Korda. Yeah, early in australia quarter played great against mm-hmm. him but he wasn't quite back right. yet then it was february where he recaptured his form with that great run uh, that, that carried him all the way through the miami title and recapturing his hard court status winning rome was amazing on mm-hmm. the clay that was incredible out of nowhere he, he wins a masters 1000 <laughs> yeah. on the dirt and then makes the finals it's been a, a little bit up and down frankly yeah. at times for him when he's gotten hot Mm-hmm. he's stayed hot for periods but he's also had some tournaments where he's lost early yeah um but he is extremely well positioned not only to finish this year
1: strong uh, but also to, to be ready to challenge in australia again nine finals is the most on tour this year too and he's just been so money at the masters like mm-hmm. that he's been the best masters player all year do you think because we're pretty much in his what you would think is his prime years there's still a, a few of them clear to go does he have a level to improve is this Is there areas of his game which is so unorthodox where you can see him even getting better?
2: Look, um, maybe at the net. Mm -hmm. He still is hesitant to come to the net. We've seen him use his forehand pretty aggressively at times when Mm -hmm. he needs to in in matches this year. Could he follow that in? Could he add a drop shot if he gets more potent on that Mm -hmm. side consistently? Sure, but his default, once he gets the serve in play is to be a retriever and and to strangle his opponents yeah. slowly as Rublev so <laughs> yeah, aptly described uh, it's a slow death when you yeah. play him and that that's apt he's not in a hurry to beat you but he's he's uh, patient enough to let you beat yourself right.
1: I think I know the answer to this but how would you rate his sense of humor would you, would you say uh, you're a fan Top drawer. Yeah. Top drawer. I mean, he's As I've heard, he's I'm not going to say who, I've heard some comparisons. He's brilliant. I,
2: I love Medvedev in so yeah. many ways. I love yeah. his uniqueness. Yeah. Uh, he's ex- another extremely yeah. high yeah. IQ guy out there. Uh-huh. He's a ton of fun.
1: He's been amazing. It's been fun to see uh, the fourth player in this tournament who finished on strongly post-US Open Yannick Center, you know, wins three titles, Canada and onward, beats Medvedev twice, who hadn't, hadn't happened before. So it was good to see him get the rhythm there. I think what we've all seen, Jim, is the process. It's been about working with Darren Cahill with his team, getting better slowly over time. Another super young guy that's starting to creep on that top tier of tennis, and we'll see what happens at this tournament. This could be the breakthrough for it him. It could
2: be. It's been um, it's been remarkable to watch his growth in the past two years. I still marvel at, at his uh, chutzpah to fire his team when he was already really good. Mm-hmm. But the results have been unmistakable with the new team. You know, he's up yeah. four in the world. He's improved so many aspects. Of his game, he's improved his movement, which has been a big part of his success. He's a much better defense-to-offense player than he he ever was, especially out of the forehand corner. He's toggled his serve quite a bit in the past year and a Mm -hmm. half, and that's improved mightily as well. And for my mind, he's kind of becoming the new Stanimal. He's, he's got that power off the forehand and the back, and he's the most powerful <laughs> groundstroker yeah. of the tournament here in Torino on a consistent basis. You know, he can beat yeah. you both ways, and that that's a problem for people like Djokovic. Mm-hmm. We're, on, you know, we're on the few minutes away from mm-hmm. them getting started in their round-robin match, yeah. and um, I'm excited to see how they match up on a hard court for right. the first time. But Sinner, he's ambitious. He is uh, patient and uh, he is going to be a
1: real problem for everybody here going forward. Completely agree with that. I also think it's big at some point, especially a tournament like this, for him to get that win over Djokovic to prove that he could do it. Mm-hmm. I agree the matchup is as favorable here, and that's why it's such an exciting Contest. It also shows you, and I think we've been guilty, I've been guilty of before, we talk about ceilings and potential. Sometimes it's about the most consistent player and the person that gets incrementally better, and that has been Sinner, so that's yeah, where I'm at but there.
2: And, but he's a guy who's lost tough matches. Yeah. And well, it's the
1: physical ones, right? And yeah. that's what I think, he, winning that one in Medvedev, the three-plus hour, he usually loses those matches, yes. so that was good no, to that's see.
2: It's important yeah. for him to have those yeah. wins and turn those around. It would be important for him to get one over Novak, as you suggest, because again the scar tissue of having mm. had a chance at the US Open in 2022 having the match point against Alcaraz and yeah. goes on to win the tournament you put that behind you but if you keep accruing that kind of scar tissue you know do you blink at at the uh, right. at the big moments that's a question yet to be
1: answered well, I wanted to talk about the other players that are in this tournament Alex Verev getting back here has been remarkable yep. given all that he went through and uh, I mentioned it in the Alcaraz match when he's serving especially on an indoor hard court and he's in rhythm I think the second set of his match against Alcaraz. He lost like something like six points on his serve. Mm-hmm. Shows you why he's special and why he at this level, with how strong he is on both wings, that he got back to this position. And I think quicker than most of us thought too.
2: Oh, well, he, he struggled mightily at the beginning of the season to find yeah. any kind of form. I was down in Sydney at the United Cup where he was mm-hmm. coming back and he was pretty awful. Mm-hmm. And it was understandable. He was yeah. super tentative with his movement, uh, which is what you would expect as he tried to sort of regain the confidence that yeah. his body would hold up. But eventually his tennis turned around in the middle of the season and he found it at Roland Garros and, and kind of put those demons behind him, uh, play on that match and early in the tournament on Chatrier, I mm-hmm. think was really good to settle his mind. And then he makes the run to the semifinals and he's had a, a tremendous season on court since then. And, and the guy's got a lot of off court issues that yeah. have plagued him for the mm-hmm. past three, four years, but he continues to once he's on the court be settled mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Excel.
1: Yeah. And I I do think that Zverev being comfortable here matters. I know it's not London. It's not the O2, but having done well and finished strong is going to give him confidence. Look, he is very elite. And I think we forget it because some of these young guys have stolen the thunder and deserved everything that they've gotten. But Zverev, not exactly an old guard yet, Mm. but is still very much in the mix. One of those one of those young guys has been Holger Runa, who's been just a remarkable, you know, topsy turvy year. I guess the first thing I have for you, Jim, is are you surprised that there was that dip after, I mean, essentially Wimbledon, he went winless for a long time?
2: Well, I think we were surprised, and then when we found out that he'd been suffering from a pinched nerve in his back, it made hmm. a lot more sense. Yeah, And there had been a lot of uh, a lot of complications with his mm-hmm. coaching team as well. From the, the clay court season on, there was a lot of movement there mm-hmm. between Lars Christensen and Patrick Moradoglu, back and forth. And then eventually, Boris Beckard entered the scene this fall. And that seemed yeah. the time out with his body right. being back to full strength, as far as health goes. Maybe yeah. not full fitness, but the confidence has come back, and that's been that's uh, yeah. been nice to see because he's a player with swagger. He's a character <laughs> yeah. uh, in this in this new younger triumvirate with Runa and Alcaraz and Sinner. And he's different you know and and that's you want you want three different guys like that coming through they may not be the next big 3 but they're in the same age group and they've got the same ambition it's going to be interesting to watch those guys
1: he definitely doesn't fear anyone which no. you can say is a good thing you know he's brash he's not perfect but who is and there's an opportunity for him to make noise I think, and I don't know, I've never talked to Boris, but the professional side of like, look, I've been here, I've I've made the mistakes. I don't know tactically how that fits in, but I think having a professional and a Hall of Famer is a very good thing for Holger at this well, stage.
2: Holger's going to respect Boris, yeah. and he's going to know that Boris did amazing work with Djokovic. Djokovic mm. was a player who was fully formed at that point, yeah. but was struggling to manage pressure and expectation in the yeah. major finals. And Boris helped him unequivocally get past that. He yeah. became the player he is today because he and Boris linked up. This is a different project. Holger yeah. Runa needs a lot of work in a lot of different areas. I would think it's extremely exciting for Boris to have a chance to help shape not just the the mindset, but also mm-hmm. the, the, the strategy and, and uh, fill out some holes in the game mm-hmm. and, and make sure that, that everything
1: is looked after. It's a great opportunity for both of them. That quote he had today, actually, but referring to the match last time, where he said... I've never lost a match when I played good tennis. Mm. I played great against Djokovic Mm. and I lost. (laughs) It's got, I mean, look, that's a young thing to say, but it's also like, look, he realizes and he said that just shows you how special Novak is hard to find a flaw in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that's also (laughs) welcome to truly elite tennis where, where you can play your best and still come up short and, and he'll, he'll find even, even going forward, other players will beat him when he's having great (laughs) days in different circumstances. And that's part of the whole process, but yeah, he is brash, yeah. and and he is going to get a lot of fans, and he's going to get <laughs> a lot of people who don't want to see him do well, but you're going to pay attention to him.
1: He has had a couple dips uh, where there have been a few, even in the final against Rublev and Monte Carlo, where he just kind of, I don't want to say checks out, but goes away for a few minutes. If he cleans that up watch out because he's truly a special player. Mm-hmm. Speaking of brash, I mean, the guy that retired today, Sitsipas, who unfortunately couldn't go with the back injury, so we wish him a speedy recovery. But the poetic thing is this was a year ago, Jim, where you had that TC Live segment after the Sitsipas-Rublev match where he said, you know, I don't know why he won. He kind of, you know, didn't have more tools in the right. bag. That's right. And you described it as, like, this is how people talk when they beat me. So yeah. it, was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good comment to make there, but also just the turbulent year since then that Sitsipas has had the finals of Australia, mm-hmm. the highs, the lows, the ups and downs. And I just keep coming back to the strengths and the clay is there, yep. but he just hasn't reined it all in at the big tournaments. And, you know, unfortunately the second half of the year just was not fun for him.
2: It was a year of growth is the way that mm-hmm. I would um, look, kind of pinpoint this one for Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through a lot this year. Yeah. You know, he seemingly fell in love publicly for the mm-hmm. first time. Uh, he, he, Got rid of his father as a as a coach for a minute and brought in Mark Philippousis And then that mm-hmm. didn't seem to pan out. And he went back to dad. He won a doubles title with his brother, which was a magical moment. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of emotional highs and lows here. The Australian Open, certainly a great start to the season. Yeah. And then he had some dips from mm-hmm. a playing standpoint. And th- this is disappointing to see him have to suffer physically and yeah. not be able to, to finish the year strong. But... His assets are in place. He's got a great game. He's he's an incredible athlete. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's going to be more maturity in him next year as a result of everything he went through, which is part of the human experience. And uh, it just happens to be that he's living it in a bright white spotlight and (laughs) we're all getting to see it. And some of it they're opting to show us. And I get all of that, the the excitement and
1: exuberance. It's
2: kind of fun. Uh, It's been fun to follow this year in a way.
1: I still, on one hand and maybe very few fingers, would take four hands over his. Like, it's that good when it's cricking. Um, But the backhand's been an issue, and he's been fooling around with it. And again, when you lose to Alcaraz, I'm not going to put you in a bad class because... Yeah. Alcaraz beats a lot of players but there's still some things he can work on technically there's still a lot to like and and you highlight it the athleticism is what jumps off the charts
2: yeah and when he gets on his front foot he is mm-hmm. as good as anybody mm-hmm. he takes that forehand early and and you just go oh that looks just mm-hmm. like what Federer used mm-hmm. to do to players and he gets in and he's solid at the net the return to serve on the backhand the slice yep. on the backhand those are areas for him to look at and to improve and they're exploitable at the moment, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know if he wants to get up to that next level, which is mm-hmm. not very far, by mm-hmm. the way, he's been close to winning a major. Um, That'd be he'd be wise to try and look at those and try and make them just a little bit better. Every year you got to try mm-hmm. and get a little bit better because Djokovic certainly has been doing that.
1: He certainly has speedy recovery. Steph um, was a little confused when I woke up and saw Fritz and and Hubie playing that exhibition, but. Hey, you got the appearance fee. They can put you to work, too, if they want. I so. was
2: confused, too. I had the same thing. <laughs> yeah. my, my kids woke up early, so we come downstairs, and we flip on the TV, and Brett and Paul are welcoming Kuby and, and Taylor onto the court. I'm like, what? I'm yeah. like, no, that's not good. Steph <laughs> must have a problem. And, and we'd heard – it's funny. We'd heard rumblings that he'd cut some practices right. short, but the rumblings were more that it was elbow-focused, yeah. yeah. and so the back – uh, kind of caught us a little bit off guard, but you know yeah. that's just that's sad. You don't it's, want to see that happen, and and the crowd, you know, certainly didn't enjoy it. Just no. too bad,
1: but that is sport. That's the way it goes. Hubie gets Djokovic. He will fill in for him in their next match, depending on how you know the seating shakes out. We'll see if there's stakes in that one. Um, and the last guy, Andre Rublev, back here again. Has had uh, you know the loss to Medvedev. He's won some matches here in the past. My question for you, Jim, with Rublev is, and he's done some remarkable stuff getting to this point. But do you think he can raise his ceiling? We've seen you know the record in major quarterfinals against the mm-hmm. top players. Can Rublev go up a level? I think he has room to improve.
2: Yeah. I really do. I, I I love him when he's offensive. I think he he's his defense is not as good as other players. Some of that is, is size-related. He's not able mm-hmm. to cover the corners mm-hmm. like, like uh, someone like Medvedev uh, can. I think his slice backhand can yeah. get better. I, I think is, yeah I talked a lot about his second serve being a little slower compared to his peer group. Yeah. Um, the volleys, again, there's mm-hmm. room to improve there. But he is remarkably consistent. Mm-hmm. Four years in a row making the top eight it's is crazy. magnificent. It's a magnificent achievement. And if there's anyone more likable, in the top 10, I'd like someone to point him out to me. I mean, that guy gives great interviews. (laughs) He's got a smile on his face. He's very relatable and human. And, uh, there's just so much to like about him and he's not going away. Is he going up? Is is the question you're asking? And I think he can,
1: but it's going to take some effort. (laughs) Yeah, he's done a great job, as you said, to get here. He's shown, some, he's shown some slight improvements, and again, losing to the very best in the game is nothing mm-hmm. to scoff at, but a very likable guy, good representative. Uh, Jim, this has been a blast. Before we wrap up, did have some quick hitters for quick you. Quick hitters. Quick hitters. Boom, let's do so it. So who do you think could be here next year that isn't here now?
2: Well, I said Sebi Korda, yeah. um, has a. I think if he can have a healthy season, because yeah. he's really viable on all surfaces, yeah. I think he could certainly... You know, be in the top eight this mm-hmm. time next year. I mean, he showed what he's capable of in Australia, where he beat mm-hmm. Medvedev and route to the quarters before his wrist blew out, yeah. and that really stopped his progress. So, um, I'd like to see one, Mar- if if not two Americans, at least one yeah. next year. And I think we have a lot of candidates <laughs> for it. So, you know, Sabi's certainly one yeah. of them. Could it be Ben Shelton? Could it be Taylor again? Could it mm-hmm. be Francis or Tommy? Mm. Absolutely. What about Chris Eubanks? Let's I know. The Tennis Channel Halo.
1: Effect. Got to on,
2: yeah, Got, to, got you, to, get there. And you just never know. There, There's you never know if, if yeah. someone's going to pop up out of nowhere.
1: I would add one name to that. I would add, and those are all good choices. Felix getting back would make sense. Maybe he found yeah. something in Basel and he can mm-hmm. get back and get the momentum. It really dipped in the summer, but he's got the game that he should be back here. I feel like there's no question. Yeah. yeah
2: he, he's got big upside and. And confidence matters and he, he yeah. lost his confidence when his body didn't mm-hmm. allow him to keep going with it mm-hmm. um but what a season he had in 2022 no reason he can't be back in 24
1: so this summer and this fall really i should say you you know, cover the labor cup again and i just want to ask you what it was like catching up with roger in that q a
2: yeah look roger's yeah. the best he's uh, he's so easy to talk to and <laughs> and happy mm-hmm. and puts everyone at ease mm-hmm. Uh, it was a weird interview because I had, I wasn't all my questions. Normally when mm-hmm. I talk to Roger, I'm isolated and I d- just do my thing. This one was a very heavily produced. yeah, But it was cool because there were crowd questions and there were some video questions. So it had a, a rhythm that was a little, little different. Yeah. But none of that
1: phases Roger. He just keeps giving you great content. The best. And uh, yeah, tossing to Rafa for the one question <laughs> was good. Yeah. I, I don't want to end it on a complete downer, but Rafa coming back and right. I know it's you know, we'll see what happens. The timeline's not official. We'll have to see him back at any point, but the track record for an older athlete in any sport coming back with the damage that has happened isn't the best. So I'd ask you what is a reasonable expectation for Rafa's return?
2: Oh, I, I wish, I wish I knew Mm -hmm. what what to expect. I'm like everyone else. I'm following along on social media whenever they put out videos of him on the treadmill or the bike or on, on the court and One thing we know is his effort level is going to be supreme, and we just have—I just like everyone else—have fingers crossed that his body is going to give him one more push. And whatever will be, will be. But what you hope not to see is what happened to Roger. And Roger really worked hard to get back, and he was ready. And then it was one bad move and holla—you know, one little slip—and that was really the end of it for him. And even even then, his greatness allowed him to get to the (laughs) quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, I just hope we don't get that. That kind of a scenario again. But any view of Rafa back on a court, especially at Roland Garros, would
1: be welcome. I'm with you there. We'd love to see Rafa back. Uh, Jim Courier always a pleasure, generous with his time. And I should also point out, one of the only people I know that you know, you win a major and then you learn the language of the major, so you went and got c'est your friends. Well,
2: yeah, i to we'll have
1: to translate that. I think that means it's, it's not true, th- I learned it a little bit, not fluent. You said I speak like a Spanish cow when you won, yes, just to yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: my accent's not perfect, as you can well imagine. My <laughs> vocabulary is limited. Well, I like to say it, so okay. my wife <laughs> and I have. Uh, uh, two little boys that are in elementary school. I like to say that my French is kind of on their their uh, level, basically,
1: of like a first or a second grader. Okay. <laughs> like okay, okay. Are they learning? Are they learning French too? french-speaking no household? no you know?
2: they're, we need well, they, they can they okay. can count in french but that's about okay. it
1: okay well friendly reminder to kids if you want to learn a language just win a major in that country and then maybe you'll be motivated it certainly then. incentivizes <laughs> you that's right jim courier pleasure always nice and super available to me i appreciate that you're you're always welcome on this show thanks for coming on tennis channel inside and in. looking forward to the next time keep up the great work mitch we'll see you next time Huge thanks to Jim Courier for appearing on this week's show. He's a real stand up guy, very generous with his time, not just the Hall of Famer that's won a couple majors and learned French, but uh, he's very nice to me as well as everybody else at the network. So thanks to Jim Courier and thanks to everybody out there for listening and supporting the show, which you can find on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network going to tennis.com slash podcast, as well as all your favorite podcast platforms whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, Google. I think that's pretty much all of them, but there's several others out there too. If you go to any of those platforms and search Tennis Channel Inside In, you can leave a rating, subscribe, and a review. And if you subscribe to the podcast, you can have every episode downloaded to your listening device automatically. It is that simple. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to the show. The ATB Finals are roaring. Yannick Center did beat Novak Djokovic as group play continues to go. There's a lot of scenarios in the Djokovic, Aruna, and Sinner group, as well as Medvedev with the win over Zverev. Alcaraz also alive. Still a lot of action to unfold at the ATB Finals in Turin and Tennis Channel Inside In will be back next week to discuss all of it. So don't miss next week's show, a special Wednesday release with the Thanksgiving holiday. You're not going to want to miss it. I can promise you that. For Jim Courier, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.